0: And of course, what happened over the weekend in Russia, and where does it leave Putin in the war? The Wagner chief, this is uh, Prigozhin, uh, ordered his troops to march towards Moscow, only to change his mind and turn around. He's now in exile, allegedly, in Belarus. So, non-resident senior fellow at the Centre for European Policy Analysis, Edward Lucas back. Well, this morning to you. Good morning. From your point of view, what on earth happened?
1: If this wasn't the radio, I'd say WTF, because I think we really don't know. And there's so many questions and so few answers. It helps sometimes when dealing with Russian politics to write down all the things we don't know rather than what we do. And the big question is what made Prigozhin back down when he seemed to be on their march to Moscow that rivaled some of the other great coups of the past, like Mussolini's march on Rome. So something made him give up, and we just don't know what that was. I think what we can take away from this is that Putin is weak. Uh, Our view of Putin as the strong man who has all of Russia in his grip is really out of date because this coup wouldn't have happened if Putin was properly in charge. How is it they didn't see him coming? Another excellent question. We have the enormous uh, Federal Security Service, the FSB, the old KGB, did they really not pick up that Prigozhin was up to something? Some people are saying that they decided to let Prigozhin go ahead in order to flush out any tracers who might be lurking within the regime's inner circle. But that seems to me to be a very complicated explanation. And again, if the regime was in good shape, there wouldn't be any traitors anyway. So it still doesn't look good for Putin.
0: So has so Putin weakened and will recover or weakened and eventually in some way, shape or form, he's now finished?
1: I think that he, is, he was already weaker than some people realised. He's weakened further by this. I think that we are not yet in the the business of dealing with post-Putin Russia, but we're heading towards it. And it may be that he stays on as a kind of figurehead with real power elsewhere and these feuding clans all competing for uh, wealth and influence. Or it may be that he's made into the scapegoat for this disastrous war and someone actually gets rid of him. Prigozhin may have been the first, but I don't think he's going to be the last person to challenge for power.
0: He is, of course, in Belarus now. Where does Lukashenko fit into this? Why was he involved?
1: Another huge mystery. and We don't actually know for certain that Prigozhin is in uh, Belarus. We've had the rather strange spectacle of the Kremlin spokesman, Dmitry Peskov, familiar perhaps to some of your um, listeners as the man with the strange sounding moustache, saying that... uh, Lukashenko and Prigozhin were old friends, something which I'd not heard previously, and that Lukashenko had stepped in. But it does look very odd. Lukashenko was is, is seen as a busted flush, a man whose um, hold on power was entirely conditional on Kremlin support. And so that this political puppet suddenly turns into someone who's calling the shots and clearing up the mess. Um, on Putin's staff is, is very surprising. And I can only say, let's wait until the next shoe falls in this and we may have s- some better idea about what's going on.
0: What, is, what does Putin do now? Does he escalate the war to take people's attention away or does he focus on Moscow and domestic issues because he's worried?
1: Probably a bit mixture of both. I think that there will be a, a, a crackdown or cleanup at home. I wouldn't want to be one of the Prigozhin lieutenants who was so confidently... <sighs> taking part in this coup, because I'm not sure that these promises of amnesty and freedom from prosecution are going to mean very much. Um, So there will be a a bit of a purge going on. It's quite hard for him to escalate the war, because, of course, the Prigozhin private army, this Wagner group, um, was one of the spearheads of Russia's military effort in Ukraine. And the Ukrainian counteroffensive, I think, is the big beneficiary of this. But whenever there's bobbles inside the high command. The soldiers on the ground know it, and it's very bad for morale. So I suspect that Ukrainians will be pushing ahead with their offensive, which is still yet to get into full gear, and will be expected to make some gains as Russian morale corrodes. I don't think we're quite at the stage of a sort of compounding circle of mutiny, surrender and desertion, and a sort of collapse that Russia experienced in 1917. Um, But I think that the prospects of that have got a bit... uh, a bit bigger as a result of the events of the last couple of days. For more from the Mike Hosking Breakfast, listen live to News Talk ZB from 6 a.m. weekdays or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.